Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey everybody, I'm Thomas Frank and welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast. Seriously, I'm glad to have you listening. So welcome back to the show. So on today's episode, as you can see in the title, it's called How to Take Your Community College Experience and Turn It Into an Ivy League Experience. And honestly, I'm a little bit hesitant to use this title because I don't want to feel like I'm excluding people who are not in community college. To be honest, the content in this episode is usable by anybody in any school, anywhere. And honestly, I feel like I got some useful tips out of it as well. It sort of solidified my commitment to doing good work and just putting my best foot forward no matter what situation I'm in. Um, but to be honest, the, the guest I'm having on the show, her specialty is people in community college. So if you're in a community college or if you're in a school that is, um, you know, maybe not your first choice, then this guest's story and her tips are going to help you take that experience and take what, you know, the, the environment that you're in and use it to its fullest potential. I think maybe I said that right. <laughs> anyway, so the guest I'm bringing on the show today, her name is Issa Adney, and she is an author, she's a speaker, and she is somebody who went from community college, transferred to an undergraduate degree at a state university, and eventually got her master's degree. So today, she spends her time helping other people in community college make the most of their experience, and she's the author of a book called Community College Success, and her website is communitycollegesuccess.com. She also has another website, which is just isaadney.com, and there she has her speaking information. So if by chance you are an event coordinator or something who wants to bring a speaker into your university, I highly recommend Isa. She's awesome, and I really love this conversation that she talks, uh, she has with me today. A lot of great information, and you're definitely going to love it. Um, that's coming up in just a few minutes. But honestly, uh, right now, I just want to kind of talk a little bit about what's going on in my life. Um, you know, I really don't talk a whole lot about my personal life on this podcast, just, you know, from me to you directly. It might come out in the conversations I have with guests and things like that. But I just want to tell you a little bit about the goings on in the past week specifically related to the book. So if you've been following along and maybe you listened to the last episode, I wrote a book called 10 Steps to Earning Awesome Grades While Studying Less. It is a free book that I wanted to offer to people who sign up to the College Info Geek newsletter and get updates and follow everything that I'm building every single week. It's sort of my thank you to people who follow along. And uh, if you're interested, you can get that book over at collegeinfogeek.com slash book. It is over 100 pages. I worked for months on it. It covers uh, how to take notes, how to get more of your textbooks, how to study efficiently, defeat procrastination, uh, stay organized and avoid entropy and, and just messiness in your life and how to deal with group projects and all sorts of other topics and I've uh, been getting a lot of really good feedback on it and I just kind of want to give you guys an update in case you are following along. So let's see here. We published the book on Monday uh, and I'm recording this on a Sunday. It is the 11th. So this episode is actually going up tomorrow as I record it. I know I'm a little bit behind. <laughs> I'm usually a little bit more prepared than this, but uh, it's been kind of a crazy week. And since launching the book on Monday, it's been downloaded over 2,600 times, which is completely mind-blowing to me. Um, it took about 
two years, I think, for my other, uh, my first bonus, I guess I would call it the uh, personal branding checklist to even hit a thousand downloads. So I was kind of expecting to launch this, have a few people check it out maybe, and then over a long time, have it become a little bit more popular. But right out of the gate, just bam, a lot of people downloaded it. I think it got over a thousand in its first day. And now we're sitting at the 2600 mark, which is amazing. I've been getting feedback. Um, one girl, I'm going to actually, I'm going to open Twitter real quick. So bear with me. Uh, one girl actually took notes on the entire book and sent me, um, the document. And I want to see if I can find her tweet real quick. Yeah. Her name is Haley. Uh, let's see here. Um, H Robinson 18 on Twitter. She made an entire note document, uh, for the book. There's another girl who, who offered to translate it. And there's people who have been sending me typos and stuff. So I'm just like completely flabbergasted at the response to this. Uh, so I'm really glad that the people who have read it so far have enjoyed it. And if you've read it, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If you haven't read it, you can go get that book over at collegeinfogeek.com slash book. Once again, give it a read. It's free. And, um, just to let you know what I want to do with this book. So obviously I want to help people with their grades. I had noticed that going through college, I was a lot more concerned with, uh, with my, with my out of class experiences with getting jobs and networking and all that kind of stuff. And as a result, for the longest time, I didn't really write a whole lot about grade stuff, like how to do better in class, how to do your homework. I kind of focused on other things related to the college experience. So in, um, the past few months, uh, and actually coinciding with right around the time I started making regular YouTube videos, I decided to focus on the academic stuff, how to build good study habits, uh, specific study techniques, and all that stuff I had kind of neglected as a college blogger for almost four years. And the book was sort of my attempt to make something really substantial that would stand out and help a lot of people. Um, but on a more personal note, I also want to have a published book someday. I want to be able to go into a Barnes and Noble and see a book that I wrote on a shelf. I, I freaking love book sh- uh, bookstores and I would love to just be able to walk in there, grab my coffee, do my usual loop of the history section and the science section, and then go over to the study skills section and go, Oh, look, uh, I know who wrote that book. So what I can actually do with the download numbers of this project, along with other data that I can get from uh, my website, like traffic and, and subscribers and all that is I can take it to publishers and say, Hey guys, I already have an audience here. Um, there's already a movement behind this. There's people who like the work that I've been putting out. So it's probably a good investment for you guys to, you know, bring me on as an author and, I still expect to be rejected by lots of publishers. I've been talking to authors and and people who already have books out there and they tell me, um, yeah, a lot of publishers will reject you. It's very much like uh, getting investors for a business. You know, it's very much fit based. So, you know, I'm not expecting this to automatically get me an amazing book deal the first, the first time I try, but I think it's effort that can be invested upfront that will pay off in the future. So that's really the, the one personal incentive I have for it. Um, as I said, it's also a gift for people on the subs- to, who subscribe to the list. So obviously that gets uh, more people able to see the new things I create every single week because I send out the, uh, the, the video, the, the podcast and the blog post that I write every week to my newsletter subscribers. So um, it kind of ensures there's a little bit of an audience there. So new things I create don't just go out to crickets right away. And I definitely appreciate that. So that's just a little bit of uh, detail on the book. I've talked a little while longer than I intended to on that. Only other things I want to mention um, is this this audio might sound a little bit different. And the reason is I just upgraded my audio setup right over the weekend. I bought a Shure SM7B microphone and a Mackie Pro FX8 mixing board. 
Uh, and this is actually an XLR connection instead of a USB connection. So I'm getting a little geeky here and I apologize if you don't really care about that, but uh, it's something that excites me and it may not sound like super amazing right now. I'm hoping it does. I really hope it does, but I don't know a whole lot about how to use the mixing board yet. So this will be a little bit of a trial by fire. Hopefully this episode sounds good, but as I learn more and talk to some of the very intelligent friends I have who know more about audio than I do, it will start sounding better. So uh, look forward to better audio quality in the future, I guess. So I guess that's uh, all I have to talk about my life for now. So let's start getting into the episode. In this episode, Issa is going to talk about how she was able to win this amazing scholarship that brought her from uh, community college to undergrad to master's degree. Um, she'll talk about how she tapped the hidden job market and just give her a story about how she turned her community college experience into something really remarkable. So you're really going to like that. Uh, if you have questions about college before we start, I just want to mention that you can always email me over at thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. I do make my best effort to respond to questions as they come through. And also we have a regular college Q and a session that I do with my roommate and my girlfriend. Um, just, as an update, Martin and Anna have been pretty busy lately, so while I can't promise that we're going to do them every single month, I will get one out soon, and we'll get those questions answered, and as I said, I do try to email questions back or answers back to people who email me individually, and they also go into creating new uh, blog posts, new articles, new podcasts, new videos. Every question I receive gives me better information about what you guys are struggling with, what you guys want to learn, what you think would help you best. So I take that data and, you know, I take those, those questions and I record them and it guides me. So if you have questions, definitely email them in. If you subscribe to the newsletter, the very first email you get from me says at the bottom, Hey, just tell me what you're struggling with. I want to know. So, um, Take action and just let me know. So also, if you want to get videos every week, go over to collegeinfogeek.com slash videos. That'll boot you over to the YouTube channel and you can subscribe to that. I'm putting a lot of effort into videos and I'm having a lot of fun doing those. So definitely subscribe if you are interested in watching me talk about college things. Well, I guess you're already listening. So you're one half the way there already. If you want to subscribe to this show, you can do it over at sigpodcast.com, C-I-G-podcast.com. That's where you'll find all of the episodes for this podcast. And the episode 46 link will get you over to the show notes for this episode with Issa Adney. And you'll be able to find all the things I linked to that we talked about in the episode, some show, some uh, a summary, and also the link to subscribe. So that is all I have to say. Actually, you know what? It's not all I have to say. Uh, I have one more little announcement and you may have heard this on the last episode, but I just want to give you a reminder that if you enjoy this podcast and you enjoy listening to me for whatever reason, um, I'm also now the co-host over at listen money matters, which is I think the best personal finance podcast ever. And uh, I'm saying that as a fan, the show had about 240 episodes before I became co-host and it was my, it was my like daily ritual. I would wake up, do my morning routine. And when I got to my walk, I would go outside, plug in the latest episode of Listen Money Matters and go for a walk. So hopefully I can keep the quality up on the show. And if you want to learn how to manage your money better, then you can head on over to listenmoneymatters.com slash show where I'll be co-hosting the podcast with my friend Andrew Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So actually, you're kind of getting four podcast episodes from me every week now if you choose to subscribe to both. Anyway, let's get into this episode. Eh, intersode. That's not, that's not a word. Let's get into this episode with Issa. Welcome to the show, Issa. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to finally meet you. So you are, I guess, probably the, the biggest name in the community college advice space, I think. And you wrote a book, um, Community College Success. Yeah. And I, I read the tagline because I was reading your book last night. And it's how to finish with friends, scholarships, internships, and the career of your dreams. So I think that's like a pretty good format for uh, what we could talk about today. Because those are four things that I think, you know, any student, but especially students in community college want to know how to get. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really interested to learn all that. But first, I want to get your story because I was reading your book and you started out by saying you were planning on going to this prestigious private college and it didn't end up happening, you know, your way and you ended up in community college, but you still turned it around into an amazing story. So how'd you get your start in uh, your college experience? Yeah. So I had originally applied to this small private school on the beach because I had friends going there and, you know, the big universities that I had toured terrified me. They were just so large and, and college, while I loved school and I was excited about this idea of college, it was still so foreign. Uh, none of my, neither of my parents, you know, got a four year degree. And I didn't find out until pretty recently, that, you know, relatively recently that my dad even had a two year degree. So he has a two year degree, but I didn't even know that. It just, College wasn't something we talked about. It wasn't part of my family culture. And so I was kind of on my own and, and chose this college based on what my friends were doing. And so my parents, while they didn't know a lot about higher ed, they were so supportive. And they just said, Isa, you know, you can go to college wherever you want. Like, we will take out loans. We will do whatever it takes. And they were in a ton of debt um, for, you know, just general things. My brothers also had some pretty intense things happen when I was in high school medically. And so I think they just figured we'll be in debt forever. What's, what's a couple, like, you know, hundred thousand more. So being kind of young and naive, I just thought, okay, cool. You know, I'll, I'll go to college wherever I want. And mm-hmm. so this fell in love with this small place on the beach. But when I got the bill and I saw how much it was actually going to be, uh, I remember like seeing the number sitting at the, my parents' kitchen table where they used to pay bills and, you know, figure out the ones they could pay that month and the ones they couldn't. And I just thought, you know, I think the reality hit me. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I can't do that. I can't do this. This is too much. Because I was aware enough to know that there were more inexpensive options. It wasn't this or bust. Mm-hmm. And and at that time, I'd already said no to the more inexpensive large public universities that I did get accepted to. But again, I was doing this on my own, you know, making decisions kind of on my own. And so I knew that there was this, you know, college within driving distance. I'd seen the billboards. I'd also heard of some people who had gone there. So I thought, okay, you know, I know there's another option. Let me let me try this instead. And so I was pretty comfortable with my decision at the time. But when I was, it was when I was in the community college advising office waiting room for at least what felt like two hours. I don't know, you know, I wasn't timing it at the time, but I know it felt like two hours. And I just like lost it. I broke mm. down crying. And it was just this moment, not so much of regret, but of doubt, of intense doubt of, is, you know, where is my life going? Um, and, and it was this moment of feeling like, oh my gosh, maybe it's not going anywhere. Maybe I've already failed <laughs> before I've even begun. And I just felt terrible, 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 terrible. Um, but then the, the advisor called my name and he was so incredibly friendly and he helped me pick out my schedule. And it was that moment and then many, many moments after it that showed me that uh, the community college experience, if I was willing to put in the effort, um, you know, really could be a launching pad to wherever I wanted, wherever I wanted to go in my life. And I had incredible professors who also instilled that within me and I built all these relationships and it, it changed my life. 
That's interesting. So when you were in that advising office, did you almost feel like you were sort of giving up on like the better opportunity almost? Yeah, I think I, I describe it, you know, I speak a lot and, and I always describe it as this one of the darkest moments of my life. And to this day, it actually still is. And, and it's because I lost hope mm. was actually, that was what it felt like. Hope had disappeared for me for a little bit. And, and that's, that's what it felt like. Okay. So I'm curious to know, did you have any um, specific goals for your education when you were in high school and going into college? Or was it just like, a, I'm going to go because I need to go? Yeah, so I I was always fascinated by books, and I always had this kind of vague idea that I'd love to write a book one day. I knew it would be nonfiction because I, I wasn't exactly like a fiction storyteller, but I loved nonfiction books. I mean, I asked for the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective <laughs> Teens for Christmas when really? I was 16 years old. Yes. <laughs> so I've had a long time obsession with sort of uh, these nonfiction books that are meant to kind of help you in your life. And so I think I always connected with that and I always saw myself wanting to write a book one day. And my mm. freshman year of high school, my English teacher, who's since, you know, passed away uh, of cancer and I, I haven't, I never got to tell her everything that I ended up getting to do and how thankful I was for her class. I feel very lucky. The more I've learned about K-12 education, I feel very lucky that I happen to get some amazing teachers in a public school that's not really known for being, you know, incredibly stellar. And and she did this activity where we had to envision our life in 10 years. And she took Mm -hmm. us through this whole visualization. And I just imagined myself as a writer. Um, And so I think with that in mind, as well as the idea that while I wouldn't have probably known this consciously, um, some of the only professional women I knew in my life were English teachers. Um, so I decided to major in English. So I think that was my initial idea. I really didn't know what I was going to do. I think I vaguely thought maybe I'll be an English teacher. Uh, so that's (laughs) sort of the direction I headed in though. I didn't end there though. I did end up becoming a writer. So which is cool. Right. That's really interesting. Actually, you know, you're just giving me a reminder that I really need to go thank my high school English teacher. (laughs) So I yes. had the same experience where she didn't have us do an uh, activity like that, but she basically put us through writing boot camp. You know, I was like, this is honors English. Uh, you know, it might be harder than regular English. When we get to the first class and she's like, do by the end of this week are six essays. Like just <laughs> an incredible amount of work more than anything I'd ever experienced. And we were so mad. Like I remember everyone in the class just complaining when she had stepped out for a second. But absolutely. Now, um, I remember taking the business English class as a sophomore in college and I was sitting there with seniors and I'm like, these people don't know how to use commas. They can't write a full sentence. Like, I don't know what went wrong in the typical high school education, but she did something right. Mm-hmm. And I should probably go thank her. Yes, definitely. You should. I wish I could think the one I'm talking about. You don't appreciate it in the moment. I mean, you mm-hmm. just don't. You're like, semicolons. This has nothing to do with my life right now. But it's incredible as you go through, you know, your your profession, regardless if you want to be a writer or not. But, you know, those fundamentals are really key. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, building those skills so that you can have access to do doing these other things. And so, yeah, I'm really thankful to her. So that was my, yes, that was my original direction. Okay. So you said, uh, you know, you don't appreciate it in the moment. How long through uh, your beginning of your first year in community college did it take for you to start appreciating like the choice you'd made? The community college choice? Yes. So I think the, the real moment of 
appreciation. I think the big moment, and this is, you know, going to sound kind of weird, but I think the big moment was at the end when, um, <laughs> when I won the Jack Kent Cook scholarship, you know, $30,000 a year for my bachelor's and 50,000 for, for my master's. I mean, obviously I was comfortable with the community college choice pretty soon after, you know, or I wouldn't have been able to you know, take advantage of all the resources. So, I mean, I had a great time. I, I loved it. But I think since the way you worded that question, the real moment where I felt like, wow, like this was awesome. <laughs> this yeah. really was awesome um, was when when I won that scholarship just because it was the culmination mm-hmm. of everything that had happened and proof that, um, that this education, the problem wasn't the education or the school itself, that you could still create an experience and that it really was about, um, you know, your your effort and and the community that you you know took it upon yourself to build, and then just the incredible people that you right. can meet, and that goes for any type of college. Um, you know, it, absolutely. I think the principles I write about in my book, they're not community college principles. They're just principles I wanted to bring to mm-hmm. community college students because I felt like they were uh, a little bit of an ignored population. And it was a population I could relate to and say, hey, like I know where you're coming from. I've been there too. Yeah. And actually there was a point where you said in parentheses and state schools, I think. So really it, it seemed like you're writing to people who just don't believe that they're at the optimal college and you yes. want to sort of dispel that myth. Exactly, exactly. We live in a society that, you know, certainly values status and, you know, getting into an elite university says something about you. And I was, I obviously, um, you know, I'm also love the idea of Ivy League universities. You know, I think it's pretty amazing. You know, I, I applied to Harvard. You know, my mm. for for a doctoral program last year, and so um, it's not a this versus this. But I had this feeling that you know, hey, um, if we if we if we have this stereotype and the stigma against certain colleges, we're doing all of ourselves a disservice by making people there feel like they are somehow less than or receiving a less than education because they're not starting out at sort of what we consider this elite, you know, elite higher education. And again, I think what's going on at elite higher education in terms of academia and and whatnot, it's awesome. But we also have other awesome going on too. And we can't ignore that because it's a huge part of our population. I mean, community colleges alone, it's half of the undergraduates in our country. And Mm If, you know, anyone can think about a time where someone made them feel less than, they can understand how that feeling alone, and my, my bachelor's degree ended up being in communications. So I'm obsessed with the ideas of messaging and how, how media and how different messages make you feel and how that then affects what you believe you're capable of and then what actions you actually take in your life. So I think, uh, you know, that's something I've always been really passionate about is just making sure that any, anyone who's going to realizes what a privilege that is no matter what college you're at and realizing that it is a great opportunity and you can make something incredible out of it even if you know the name of your university isn't is something people would consider elite it's still an elite opportunity and you can make uh you know an elite experience out of it yeah there's really that opportunity for you to go out and sort of make a name for yourself on your achievements and the connections you make so when I was talking to Cal, it's interesting you mentioned messaging. When I was talking to Cal, he talked about this professor named Brian Kaplan. I think he's a professor at George Mason University, but he's got this um, theory he talks about called the signaling model of education. And I guess the theory goes that education is less about teaching real job skills and more about signaling to employers 
that you know you went through these classes, therefore you are smart enough to uh, justify hiring. And that really factors into the the prestigiousness of a university that somebody goes to because you know the better uh, the university, quote unquote, the the better the signaling. But I think you know that I think that might be valid. But there's also a lot you can do to overcome that just through the things you do and the the personal brand you build for yourself and your own achievements. And you're really proof of that because I mean you went to community college and now you just said you applied for a doctoral program at Harvard. Uh, Harvard. I did. So I did that last year. It was a crazy undertaking. I, I didn't apply to any other programs. It wasn't mm. like, okay, I want to get a doctorate and apply to these places. It was just this particular doctorate. It was two years uh, in on-campus taking classes and one year uh, experiential. So it was only three years, totally paid for. It was K-12 focused. So mm. I knew I was kind of like trying to sneak in a little bit. <laughs> but I, I was like, oh, I'll just apply and see what happens. So I did uh, make it to the top 50 where I got interviewed. So I went to Harvard, I interviewed with all of these other candidates and met the professors and, and got really close to the program. I didn't make it to the top 25. Mm-hmm. Um, but even getting that far, well, of course, when I found out I didn't make top 25, I couldn't have told you, I couldn't have talked about it like this because I was devastated. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but now, you know, I can fi- I'm finally at the place where I can say, no, it, it was really crazy that I even got to that top 50, you know, going, and and I've since done a lot of interviews and written uh, blog posts about people who have gone on to get their master's degrees um, at at places like Harvard, Um, you know, and there's also a lot of community college transfers who transfer right into Ivy Leagues like Cornell and Brown. And so it it is possible. And again, it's not all about, you know, going to a particular university, but I think it's important to know that it's possible and there, and, and you are, you know, or can get smart enough to, (laughs) to take these different paths and that where you go to school, you know, isn't everything. Like you mentioned, yes, those signals are real. Yes. Having Harvard on your resume, you know, yes, that's real. That helps that, that networking as well. Those, all of those things are real. You know, I can never pretend that it's not, but I don't think it's everything. And I think there's so much else that you can do and so many more opportunities. Um, if you think about, uh, think about things beyond just a signal, beyond just a resume. What are you actually creating in the world? What are you actually contributing, building your skills? You know, having that degree does open doors and it's a good thing to have, <laughs> but it's not everything. You know, you don't just get a degree and boom, have a job. I think it's why so many people question, is college worth it? You know, we have all these people with bachelor's degrees working in, in retail and food service. So <laughs> is college really worth it? And I think it's really about, A, you know, what are the, what are their lives look like 10 years, 15 years? down the road compared Mm -hmm. to a high school graduate. That's, I think, where you really start to see the differences. And then, you know, secondly, I think it's about, you know, remembering that the degree alone isn't magic, you know, it it opens doors, but you still have to work, work the whole system and learn and, and grow and figure out how to build relationships, how to build your skills. And then, you know, you leverage that degree to open doors, but then you've got to do a whole heck of a lot more to to start moving (laughs) forward. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's about it's about the path more than any single event. So there's a book I read as a kid. I don't know if you ever read it, but it's called The City of Ember. And they oh. live like in this underground bunker thing. And like at I think at like 13, every every person in the community has to draw out of a hat their job for the rest of their life. And the girl is like so excited to be a, be a messenger because she wants to run around the town and deliver messages. And she picks a boiler room engineer out of the hat. And like that's supposed to be your job for the rest of her life. Well, she trades with somebody, but the point is like, that isn't what life in the real world is like. You don't have this event where you 
get into a certain school and that sets you on a specific path for, for the rest of your life. And, you know, it's the same with your degree. You know, you don't get your degree and then, okay, I'm, I have an MIS degree. I'm going to only work in IT for the rest of my life. It's really about the path and the skills you build and the, the career capital, as Cal says, uh, that you build along that path. And that really depends uh, on, you know, your options and what you want to choose from there. Yes, I love that book. I love that idea. I actually did a, I've never read it, but I want to read it now. I, I teach a college success class and, and in my students, I had them pick jobs out of a hat and then really? pretend, yeah, and then say like, would you like that job? What would you not like that job? And we talked about it and, you know, I kind of just started a discussion like, why would this not be a good idea, you know, to just pick a job out of a hat? Why does that not work? And so we talked about the idea of critical thinking and building your career capital. And I think you're so right. And, and we're also in this really, you know, interesting era where you really can't, you know, just sit at a, at a job for 30 years or a company for 30 years. It's been well documented and well written about. And so I think it becomes even more vital for us, for our generation than it, it's ever been. And right. so I think we're hungry to figure out what does that look like? Because the unknown and, and uncertainty and failure and all the things that go with that are incredibly scary. You know, sometimes, especially if you're the kind of person who like, you know, you're, you're, you, you know what to do. You apply to college, you go to college, you have your classes. It's all very set. You know, right. you know, I, I thrived in that sort of school environment. Yeah. I always knew what was coming. I knew what I had to do. I could master applications. And then you, you graduate and it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, there's no, there's no map, there's no set path. And I've really, you know, I really struggled with that. It was very, very hard. I, I just had no idea what I was doing. I think it's why, you know, something I've read in a lot of books as well, they call the brain drain, right? Where a lot of people try to just continue that path of applications and prestige and go into, you know, consulting and, and, and law and different paths that are all like great paths, but people are maybe going to them just because it still feels like sort of that next right step yeah. versus actually critically thinking is that really the things you want to be doing and the skills you want to be building? And for some people, I'm, I'm sure it is, or great jobs. But it can't be, there, there's just too many people, it can't be for everyone. But I yeah. understand and empathize with that sense of wanting that kind of next steps because it is, it's scary. It's really scary. But when you do open yourself up to that, uh, it can be really exciting. I didn't plan, you know, I had this distant idea that I'd always love to write a book one day um, and, and that I liked education. But beyond that, like I didn't plan this. Like I have a, a business. I'm doing a podcast with you. Like this is so cool. And I never planned any of it. I didn't, you know, think this was even a career that existed. So um, I think being open can have its, even though it's really scary, um, it sometimes seems like the scariest things can actually have, you know, the biggest rewards if you're willing to deal with the uncertainty and the very real failures that will come along as you go on that path. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I thought that I was going to be in the basement of some corporation running the computers and being a sysadmin until I went and did it. And then the scary thing is when I had to meet with the, the like execs of the company and talk about my internship. And I had to say to them, no, I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> I'm probably not going to do this afterwards. And they were like, you know, they were understanding, actually. They were like, yeah, you're entrepreneurial type. Uh, I can understand that. But I was very scared to come out and admit that I wasn't enjoying the path I was on. Have yeah, you ever heard that's of, a scary um, thing. Have you ever heard of the concept of monomyth? No. So it's synonymous to this this idea of the hero's journey, where you know they go from one challenge to another. It's along this path, and school feels like that to a lot of people. You know, you, you get these challenges put in front of you in this very set path, and you overcome them, and you feel accomplished, and then you graduate, 
And like you said, a lot of people want to continue along that path because they feel some sense of purpose that's been laid out before them. And when you get done and you're not along that anymore, it can feel like there's a void, you know, you don't know where to go from there. But like you said, you know, just doing the things you're interested in and really having the courage to pursue those things can lead to some amazing things. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to learn about the path that you um, went along after community college and what the scholarship was, because I've, I've heard that it was an amazing scholarship, but I don't know exactly what it was for. Yeah, so the Jack Kim Cook um, Foundation, they uh, give out a a lot of different types of scholarships. There's a young scholars program in middle school. There's a, a scholarship you can get uh, your senior year for college, all four years. And then there's an undergraduate transfer scholarship, which is the one I received. And they give out many of these. I, I think it was around 30-ish when I won. I don't know how many they give out a year now. But uh, to community college students to transfer on to get a bachelor's degree. And then you can reapply. Um, and you're just essentially competing against yourself to get $50,000 for graduate school. And so that um, was a life-changing experience, um, more, more so socially than financially, which, which most scholars will, will say, cause they get us all together at a conference every mm-hmm. year and it's mandatory that you attend when you win the scholarship. And so that was really, really eye opening. And it's one of the reasons I, I start my, my book with the idea of encouraging community college students to develop relationships with peers, with like-minded peers on their, on their campus, because in community college, especially there's such a such a draw to just go to class and go home. You know, yeah. You're driving there, you drive home. There's nowhere to really hang out. I mean, there are places to hang out, but it's not as intuitive because you're not living there. <laughs> and and it's scary, you know, and you're yeah. like, well, why would I just sit, sit around here? No one's going to talk to me, you know, so I'm just going to go home. You know, I did it. That's what I did my first semester. So, but when I, when I went on that conference, um, in addition to getting involved in community college, it was it was really what set me on the path I am now. I don't think I would have had the courage to go off and do something kind of different or write a book at at this young age um, if I hadn't have been around those people because it was just getting around other young people who um, had had these like ideals and who wanted to really accomplish things and who also came from community colleges, which meant, um, and, and because we'd also won the scholarship, we were all kind of poor. We all kind of grew up <laughs> in, in low income households. And so mm-hmm. to connect with other people who maybe didn't have people around them who were doing, you know, big things that they might want to do with their lives, still believing that, Hey, maybe we could, we could, maybe we can use these opportunities and use our education to, to try to accomplish some things and use we do know about being low income and about those issues and about those communities and then and then use our education and, and bring uh, some solutions to those areas. So that was really powerful. Uh, the Jack and Cook Foundation also offers, I know they offer, a, like, I think it's a graduate, like, dissertation scholarship. They're always changing sort of what they offer. So anyone listening, uh, jkcf.org, uh, no okay. matter where you're at in college, they, there might be a funding opportunity there uh, for, for your graduate school or something. But and is that, is that only for community college students or is that for anybody looking to go on? Anybody. Yes. Okay. It's a it's a wide range. So the undergraduate transfer scholarship, that's the one for community college students. Mm. Everything else spans, you know, no matter where you're at. So they they're awesome. Interesting. Well, I'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes because that's a scholarship I hadn't heard of before. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's really, really great. And, and I'm so thankful for it because it, it really, as I mentioned, not only giving me this community and obviously the money was, was huge. Um, but also I, I, I talk about this in my speeches when I found out I won the scholarship, 
I, I, it was a surprise. We were at a graduate luncheon. The president had kind of surprised me with it. It was May of my sophomore year. I thought I didn't get it because I didn't hear anything and I was about to graduate. So I just thought, okay, I didn't get it. Mm. And she surprised me and I stood up out of my chair to go kind of, you know, receive the award and I fell weak in the knees and I literally just fell on the ground <laughs> and started bawling my eyes out. And there was this tape running through my head and it was, um, this idea of, of $50,000, I knew I'd, I'd have the opportunity to get a master's degree. And while if you had asked me, I would have said, yeah, I could do anything I want. It was America. I could be president. Like, you know, the, the sky's the limit. This tape that was within my head as I was pulling my eyes out was people like me don't get master's degrees. Like, that's for other people. That's for rich people. My grandma was a maid. My grandpa was a janitor. Like, people like me don't go to grad school. Mm-hmm. And, and it, in that moment, that tape was broken. And I think that's why I got weak in the knees that whatever messages I had received in my subconscious about what people like me were capable of doing um, was kind of broken. And and I realized that community college was one of the things that allowed me to do that. But that to me was the most powerful thing. And I think it's what led me to do everything that I do now is I realized, oh, my gosh, if I was feeling slightly limited, um, even with all the privileges I had, you know, two loving parents who encouraged me a safe home where I always had food on the table. Like there's so many people out there who don't even have that. And and if I'm struggling with these sort of stigmas and stereotypes, how much more barriers are we putting on people who already have plenty of barriers and obstacles (laughs) to deal with? And and so that was really powerful for me, uh, for sure. Cool. So did you start community college success while you were in community college or was that something that started during your, well, so you did community college and then there was a bachelor's degree, right? Yes. Sorry. So you asked me about my journey afterwards. Yeah. So I won the scholarship. Um, I went to Stetson University. I I figured, okay, I have $30,000 a year. I might as well use it. And so I went to a private school that cost about that. And, and it was Stetson University. It was a small private school nearby where I was living. And, and I I loved it. I loved it so much. I had a great experience. And when it comes to the, the relationships I built with the professors, the, the education, it was the kind of college where we had to do almost like a master's level thesis at the end. So I did a year long research project turned into this 80 page document at the end. And I think, um, knowing how to tackle a project that big really helped me when it came to writing a book. And Mm. so that, that was a really phenomenal experience. And it was encouraging to know that like I could hack it at this for university. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't a disadvantage cause I started my first years at a community college. I, you know, ended up being the commencement speaker and winning sort of the top graduate award, um, my senior year. And I remember thinking everyone must be looking up and being like, who is she? Like she wasn't at freshman orientation. Like she's not in any sorority. Like who is this? Um, cause I didn't live on campus. Um, but it, it was exciting to know that I could still, um, again, make the most of an opportunity, even though I was kind of doing it a different way. So I wasn't there all four years. I was only there two. Um, but I loved that experience. And then while I was there, I tutored uh, as my sort of part-time job. Mm. And that is where the idea of an opportunity divide first really became something that I was aware of. I mean, I honestly wasn't aware of these ideas of power and privilege and opportunity. I just thought, you know, smart, you, you go to Harvard because of your IQ. Like that's right. all that, that it was. You're kind of, you sorted based on kind of your IQ, I think is what I thought. And then I was this tutor and I tutored these kids who great, great kids. They'd, they'd come in they they'd take a practice SAT. They'd get kind of the score that I got when I just showed up 
with a pencil one Saturday morning, figuring this test will just tell me how smart I am, right? Like you don't study for it because you don't know what's going to be on it, right? Yeah. And, um, and then a thousand dollars later, these kids would have the scores to get into these elite schools and they would, and their parents were so involved and, and, you know, they had a lot of money. I'd go visit, you know, I'd tutor them at their giant mansions and, and it was a, it was a real culture shock for me, but it was, I, I was, I'm, I'm always thinking, like kind of critically thinking. I remember thinking and just taking it all in and realizing that, oh my gosh, okay, so money doesn't buy, you know, happiness, but it does buy opportunity. Like it, mm. it does. And if you don't have that money and you don't have as well as sort of maybe this parental guidance, um, you're not going to be as prepared or able to go to some of these schools that then are said to lead you on the path. And that really struck me and it wasn't the it wasn't that oh these parents shouldn't be doing this it was like great if i, if I was a parent i had money yeah i'd want i'd probably want to give my kid sat tutoring yeah. that's great um it's great that they were so involved i loved everyone i worked with there but i thought man there's something there is some there's some just inequality here that can is a cycle that continues right. and continues and and so that I just couldn't let that alone. And I didn't know exactly how I was going to affect that, but I knew it was something I wanted to dig deeper into and see if, is there a way I can help? You know, is there a way I can help uh, other students who may not have these opportunities or these advantages? How can I still help them, you know, on, yeah. on their path um, so that they can, you know, not only just reach their goals, but also know that. It, uh, you know, it's not them. Like they're not not smart. <laughs> they're going yeah. to community college. Like it's okay. And so I think community college was sort of a natural progression of thinking, okay, well, that's where I really did see a lot of diversity and a lot of opportunity. So maybe let me try working there. So mm -hmm. I worked there for a few years after college while I was getting my master's, and it was after working with so many other community college students and really um, digging deep into the institution from the other side where the principals really became clear. It was like, okay, this wasn't just me. I see all the other successful community college students, they're all doing these certain things. And it's, and it's the relationships that they're building that are really giving them an advantage. And so, you know, why don't I write a book teaching community college students how to build those relationships so they don't have to wait for like a nice professor to pull them into their office and say, hey, here's <laughs> the deal and here's what I see in you. But they know the steps they can take right away that I learned and then, you know, established right away when I transferred to the, to the four-year university so that they don't miss out on those opportunities. Yeah. I love your views on like what to do about inequality. Because, you know, a lot of people just say they just get mad at inequality and they say, well, those people that are privileged, they shouldn't have that. But, you know, I don't think that's a very useful, you know, opinion to have. You're, you're doing better things. You're saying, okay, these people, you know, there are certain people that have privilege. Let's see how we can use that privilege to help others that have less. Exactly. And I like that. You know, it's not a whole lot of people know this, but I sort of went to community college myself. <laughs> sort of. I but love it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> see, it's the absolute opposite because uh, my high school had a program where I could go to community college for two or three hours a day instead of being in high school. And then the classes I took there were dual credit. So they like covered my high school credits, but they also were college credit. And I was like, I guess I'm going to be going to school for business. So I'll take the business core. And that got like a ton of my initial four year business um, education out of the way, which obviously made it cheaper to go to college later on. But um, when I was at the community college, I saw a flyer on the wall for tutoring and I was like, I guess I could get a part-time job tutoring. I'm a high school student. I don't know if they're going to be able to pick me because I'm younger than everyone else. But uh, I applied and they 
they took me because I guess I knew how to write from that writing boot camp teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think I was an accounting teacher and I was a English teacher. And I realized the same thing. Like a lot of these students that are here, their high schools didn't offer anything of the sort, no dual credit programs, nothing like that. And, you know, in some of the cases they weren't even able to go to high school. So you notice those, you know, this divide between certain people that have the support of parents or enough money to do things or the high schools that offer crazy dual credit programs and those that don't. And I guess that was sort of like my commitment as well as I just want to help the people that didn't have the same opportunity that I had. Yeah. So I think that's the best thing that could happen. Cause you know, even when I, you know, think about, you know, these ideas of power and privilege and I think about the ways that I, I did have privilege, you know, like I mentioned having, you know, two loving parents growing, mm-hmm. having a great childhood, have a safe home and, and food on the table and, and all of these things. And then I, you know, hear about or learn about or talk to, you know, people who had, um, so much, so much trauma, you know, growing up and, and, and these broken families and, and dealing with all these things and, 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 and still going for education. And I'm in awe of them. And yet at the same time, I think like there's this aspect of sometimes when you think about the ways you're, you are privileged, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's like this immense guilt and almost disgust. Like, I don't know <laughs> if anyone ever experiences this, but I'm just like, oh, this is so disgusting. Like, I had such a great, like, growing up, I had all these privileges, and it's so disgustingly unfair, you know, that I, I had all this. And then there are people who, you know, who don't or who had to deal with just this intense, intense things that just break my heart. And, and I get, sometimes I get, like, feel, like, curled up in a ball out of just, like, disgust and I think, oh, this isn't fair, this isn't fair, and, and it's not fair what I even had. Mm-hmm. And and, and what I always try to tell myself and turn that around is think, okay, so, you know, what, th- this is not going to serve anyone. If you just kind right. of like think <laughs> about how disgusted you are about your own privilege, I got to, you know, just be thankful for the privileges that I did have and then use them. I think the best thing we can do with privilege and, and you just mentioned it is, um, you know, use it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is crazy. It is crazy. And if you find yourself on, um, in an aspect of privilege, I think it's, it's only a disservice if you don't use it and say, okay, how can I use this? You know, how can I use that I do have and what I was given that I didn't earn um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and make it somehow a little bit better for those who are, I feel like are working twice as hard as me to get the same things. You know, how mm-hmm. can I make sure they have those opportunities and that their voices are heard? Cause I think if you're able to help people who didn't have a lot of privilege growing up or who have been through things, you know, that are difficult, whatever that might mean, when you can help them gain and make those big leaps of power and privilege. Um, you know, I've yet to meet someone who's made a big leap who hasn't said, I want to go help other people because I know what Mm -hmm. they've been through. I think to me, that's just one of the most beautiful cycles in the world. And I'm just obsessed with it and and trying to find ways to make it more possible. And I don't have all the answers, (laughs) but I'm obsessed with trying to find out what they might be. Yeah. And you're trying because if you think about it, privilege is not a zero sum game, right? It's like you you don't get a, a slice of the pie and you take away from other people. 300 years ago, the average person was a subsistence farmer and that was all they would ever, you know, aspire to be because they just needed to eat. And now we have the ability to educate ourselves and all that. Like we create privilege. We create new opportunities through new efficiencies, innovation and things like that. So just having that mindset to be one of the creators, I think, is the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you said that these people that were, you know, being really successful in community college and were making opportunities for themselves. One of the biggest things is they were making connections. And that's the first thing in the title in your book, how to finish with friends and connections. So what are your tips on, um, starting to make those connections and, uh, and making friends in community college? Cause 
uh, when I talked to people I was tutoring, they would tell me the same thing you mentioned. Like I go to work, I work full time and come to school. Like there's not a whole lot of time left over. So how do you make that time? Yes. So I think it's, and one of the things I wanted to do in the book and and I do in my speeches to students is give them permission and help them understand that this is worth your time. This Mm. is worth the sacrifice if you can make it because I, I take their lives very seriously, you know, and I tell them this, I would not tell you to go join a club and not, you know, work, um, if I didn't believe it would help you even more in the long run. Cause I, you know, I've met too many, you know, single mothers and learned about those types of stories to, to, to pretend like this is just easy. And, and cause I know you don't have time to just say, Oh, yay, have like this fun college experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's more than that to me. Um, it's not just about having this sort of fun college experience, which I think is great. You know, it's a privilege and it's awesome. Um, not everyone can have that college experience, but I think sometimes they throw the baby out with the bathwater and don't realize that, okay, um, you know, there's still actual real life benefits to getting involved and to having friends. It's more than just sort of having a, a fun time while uh, fun is good. Um, I think it's also about, um, you know, as I mentioned, being around people who are doing the same things as you, who want to do things with their life, who are excited about school, who are um, also, you know, balancing things as you are, that that's valuable. We're, we're deeply influenced by who our friends are. It's not just something in high school, you know, all your peers affect you, peer pressure, that whole deal. It's the rest of our lives, the people we surround ourselves with influence how we think and and what we, what our possibilities are. And so, you know, when people, especially in community college, if they're the first in their family to go to college or they're, you know, making these big leaps, they may not feel that sense of camaraderie in their family or in their larger community. And so I think it's even more vital that they're making sure they connect with other people who have the same aspirations because that influences you. And so one of the big things, you know, I get emails all the time. How do I make friends in college? How do I make friends in college? And so I'm constantly reminding students that, A, like everyone's scared. So you're not, <laughs> it's okay. Like everyone is scared. It is scary and it is overwhelming and it's hard when there's not formal programs to help Mm -hmm. you make friends because there's really, you know, not in community college, there's typically anyway, not a standardized orientation where the goal is to make friends. And I think they're, you know, it would be great if there were more (laughs) things like that, you know, but I understand it's hard because of the commuter style and the commuter schedule and they're trying to help people who have other things going on. Um, But I think there's a point too where we have to realize that if, if as colleges today, um, is, is going to be how it is at least tomorrow for the students that we're informing, they need to understand what it takes, you know, going to, college, I call it drive-through education, uh, Mm -hmm. going to class and going home, that's not, that doesn't really work very well. You know, there may be some exceptions out there, um, but generally I I haven't seen that that works as sort of part-time idea. Um, It it really, college still requires um, a lot of hard work and Mm -hmm. a lot of effort. And so I think making friends can actually help students in that because you have allies. You have people to help you figure out this new system and encourage you and and just share experiences so that you do know you're not alone if you're stressed about a math class or if something's going on. And, and then they can say, oh, hey, I know this great tutor. You should go see him or, you you know, you informal networks. I mean, right. it's something I also learned was happening in in the wealthy communities that I was tutoring. You know, they had internships lined up because of their from their dad's friends, you know, and mm-hmm. that there was this idea of your, your friends and who you knew kind of helped you out. And so I thought, okay, even if you're not 
you don't have that initially, you can still create it. And I think it starts in college. Those informal peer networks um, are really valuable when it comes to knowing about opportunities and scholarships. And and then joining clubs helps you win scholarships. So Mm -hmm. even though it may seem like, oh, well, I need to make, you know, this money now in my full-time job instead of like joining a club. If, you know, you're really serious about, um, college, especially if you want to transfer, you know, if you're a community college student, which many of them say anyway, that they want to transfer to a four-year degree, four-year college, about 80%, then, you know, you're going to get more money and have more scholarship opportunities if you do sort of invest now and and join clubs. And it is a difficult tension, um, but it's one that I feel very confident in because I've asked adults who had kids um, and who were doing a lot of other things besides college. And I, I, I remember early on when I started speaking, you know, I'd have adult students say, okay, that sounds all great. But listen, like I am an adult, I have a full-time job. So like, well, what would you tell me? And so I'd ask all of my friends who, who were, you know, who had done college successfully. One in particular has like five kids, works at NASA now. And, wow. and yeah, and <laughs> she's amazing. And, and I asked her among with some others and I said, Hey, like, you know, what do you think about this? And, and they would tell me, Issa, you know, the things you're saying, they apply no matter how old you are. If you really do want to do this full out, if you really do want to make the, make the most of this opportunity, get as many scholarships as possible, like, yeah, you do need to get involved. You do need to make friends. You do need to become an officer in a club. And that it's it's not just like a nice or fun thing to do, that it, it actually is part of the survival and part of the, the growth and part of the thriving is, is building that community mm-hmm. because that that never ends. Again, like the principles I talk about in the book aren't community college principles. They're just ones I want to share with community college students in particular. Right. But even as I'm continuing to grow in my own career, I'm constantly reminded that these ideas, the idea of building a community of peers and uh, getting involved and, and building informal peer networks, it it's so vital and it's enriching and it's exciting and it makes everything feel so much more worthwhile and you feel like you're not alone. And so... Honestly, I think just joining a club, that's the simplest way, you know, there's all these little things, you know, people talk about you can make friends and, and, but I think in the end, I just, you know, I have a blog that's like 50 ways to make friends and there's like, yes, yes. It's on communitycollegesuccess.com. Yeah. 50 ways to make friends in college and at least 10 or 15 of them. I just write, join a club in all caps, (laughs) like join a club. It's really that simple (laughs) go to club fair go to your student life office and join a club and if you don't like it join another club you know Mm. find one that you like and to me that is the best way and there are clubs on community colleges uh many have very vibrant student life uh student life organizations and because it's a commuter college, in some ways, you have a much better chance of becoming president of a club than you might at a big four-year university where maybe more so seniors right. and you know, juniors are going to be in those leadership positions. I think that's also an advantage. You can have a leadership position your freshman year of community college, and mm-hmm. it's not that hard. I became president of a Phi Theta Kappa chapter on our club, and, and it just really? really wasn't that hard, and it was <laughs> fun, and you got to go, we got to go on a trip. I rode on my first airplane, you know, and, and those things. <laughs> <laughs> really, really uh, were just fun, but also gave me confidence and made me and helped me. I know when scholarships, you know, they look scholarships and transfer universities, they're looking for, you know, your involvement. 
you have a much more uh, impressive Phi Theta Kappa story than I do. <laughs> What's your Phi Theta Kappa story? It was, I was still in high school, as I said. Uh, they talked, you know, I think one of my advisors at the community college said something about it. And I was like, can I apply for this? Like, are they going to kick me out because I'm a high school student? And they were like, no, you can do it. Um, I got in, but I think my phone battery died or something. This is back <laughs> in, like, I had, like, a Virgin Mobile, like, terrible toy phone, basically. Well, I had my calendar on that. And it had died, so I didn't get my notification that I was supposed to go to the ceremony to get my thing. I, I'd gotten off work because I worked full-time, or not full-time, but a lot of hours in high school. And it pops up finally, and it's like, you have 10 minutes to get to your ceremony. So I drive to the community college. I'm wearing cargo shorts that have camo print on them and a t-shirt. And then I realize that everyone else is in a suit. <laughs> so I'm on stage, like accepting this thing in like terrible cargo camo shorts. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't realize you could be in Phi Theta Kappa as a dual enrollment student. Yeah, you can. That rocks. So a alumni connection happening right now. <laughs> there it I is. love it. You're still, yeah, you're still in. You're an alum. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, anybody out there is in high school, community college, you can do it. I guess it's yeah. a thing like ask questions and just be audacious. Like if you think that someone's not going to let you do something, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no. And yes. then you're going to be like, all right, well, at least I tried. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's what it's all about. And I think that idea is the crux of my book going, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone and just asking people for help, asking people for mm-hmm. advice. It, it will lead you in incredible places. Cause like you said, the worst that's going to happen in no is no. And the best that happens is, you know, you get, you get involved, you get scholarships, you build relationships, you have an incredible college experience, and you actually have a shot at reaching, you know, some of your biggest and wildest dreams, because no one does that kind of stuff alone. Yeah. So this conversation we're having here is like, it's like building this idea in my mind of like a, like a triangle of the components you should have for college success, I guess. Uh, one being education, learning things. The next one would be value creation, like creating something of value and probably getting paid for it so you can afford to live. But the third one would be building relationships and friendships and connections. And almost like I almost want to say it's the most important one because it's the scariest one to do in a lot of cases for a lot of people. And, you know, I guess the the importance is at least understated by, you know, most success websites and books and things that just say, go get a job and, you know, go get, get more education. I think you really do need to make connections. So I like yes. what you said about clubs, because uh, at least like in the community college that I went to, there really wasn't like students hanging out in the dining center that you could talk to. And there weren't like uh, Iowa State had a giant week long orientation celebration, basically called Destination Iowa State. And I was really happy to get to run it after my freshman year. But like that was built to build connections between students. Like we had uh, sessions and we had giant food free food fests and stuff and there's residence halls with community like learning communities and that wasn't at the community college but there were clubs so i'm guessing like if you're in community college that's probably you know your number one tip for a reason because it's the most uh abundant opportunity to make connections especially with people that you're going to have like like-minded thoughts with you're exactly right. Yeah, most of them have student government associations and then different clubs spawn from that. And there's Phi Theta Kappa on many, many campuses. And so you're absolutely right. That's the way to do it. And if you don't find a lot, a big 
you know, campus community on your campus, then maybe it's up to you to, to start a new club. You know, it's mm-hmm. also something you can do in college. And one of the things that's a great uh, resume builder, great way to win scholarships is if you, like you said, I love that you mentioned that as part of the triangle, you know, kind of creating something, con- contributing something. I think that's huge. And yeah. I, I love your triangle. I love it. I need to write um, about this now. <laughs> yeah, you need to write about the triangle. I love it, love it so much. And, um, and so I think starting your own club is a great project, uh, a great thing to do as well. Uh, even if it's just you and like three other people, four other people, you know, I, I, I like that you use the word audacity. Mm. I think that's a really good word to, to describe what you, what you have to do, um, especially in community college, because, um, you have to have the audacity to create some <laughs> things yourself and to step outside the norm. Cause the norm on community college campuses is go to class and go home. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones who are graduating community college, the ones who are winning scholarships and, and really reaching their goals, they're the ones who have the audacity, right? To, do something a little bit different than than the norm and I think that's what we need and I want to try to make or at least try to start the process of making uh, the idea of building relationships like you said um, a normative idea when it comes to being you know successful in any realm I mean I didn't make that up right that's obviously something that people kind of know generally um, but it, it can be scary and foreign and, and also people think oh networking it's like exchanging business cards <laughs> that has nothing to do with me or no. nothing to do with community college and it's like no it's it's really the idea of building relationships and friendships mm. like I've learned the best networking is the farthest away from some sort of cold how can I help you how can you help me business card exchange it's literally friends like yeah. people who genuinely like each other and then want to help each other out it's it's really cool and 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 I learned in community college um, that you can build those relationships from scratch. And that's mm-hmm. the, the third part of my book is how to build professional mentors. And I mean, I have email scripts and literally how you can reach out to people uh, on LinkedIn and through email. Cause that's how I started is I yeah. literally just started building relationships from scratch, um, from people whom I just genuinely admired. And, and then they did become friends and mentors and, it was just, I wouldn't be doing any of the stuff I was, I'm doing now if I hadn't have had their guidance. And, and now I feel like I just have all these friends mm-hmm. and it's, it's really, it's really valuable and you can take the onus to create it, but it is scary. I get scared every time I have for a new phone call or a new, <laughs> a new lunch meeting. I always freak out. I'm always like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I hope they cancel. You know, like it is scary <laughs> meeting someone new. It always is. But I think it's because I've, heard and believed so much that this is valuable. This will pay off that it gives me the courage to keep doing it and to do it anyway. And so that's what I'm trying to communicate to students is just letting them know, Hey, like, yes, this is scary. It may never stop being scary, especially if you're not a super extroverted person. Um, but, but keep doing it, you know, think about your goals and then only connect with people you you genuinely admire, people you genuinely (laughs) want to meet because that will come across and you'll build a, a real bond. Were you scared to do this interview? No, no. <laughs> no, luckily I wasn't scared to do this interview. Interviews are really um, not scary because there's already sort of a format and you're asking hmm. me the questions. So I just get to answer questions, which is that great. Is, that is true. Um, yeah. So I think it's scarier when um, you're 
you're like going to be asking the questions or you set up the meeting with someone <laughs> yeah. you admire and it's all kind of on you to lead, lead the conversation and whatnot. That's what, you know, usually would scare me because I'm like, mm. Oh my gosh, they don't know them. And, and I gotta, I gotta make this happen. So that's, I think when it's scary or going to a new club or going to a new event or when I go to a new conference or something, and that's when it's like, Oh, you know, you feel that little bit of anxiety, yep. but think it's if you know that it's going to pay off um it just gives you more motivation to keep going despite the anxiety versus waiting for the anxiety to sort of disappear Mm -hmm. Uh, at least in my case it really hasn't disappeared i'm not actually a super extroverted person so i always feel that a little bit (laughs) yeah but um you know it's it's it ends up being every time i leave those types of conversations though i'm always like ah that was the best thing ever i'm Mm -hmm. so i did it so you don't think you're an extrovert then um, well, like if we're talking Myers Briggs, sort of uh, ex, uh, their personality type, I'm sure you're. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with Briggs? Yeah. So I I test extrovert. So like I test E. Yep. Um, it's like just barely over the line. Okay. So I'm kind of like right <laughs> in the middle. And I, I I think I get that because I'm definitely an extrovert when it comes to the idea of where you get your energy. Like I get my energy from other people. I mm. leave conversations and I feel energized. I don't feel drained. Like, oh, I need some alone time now. Um, but in a party, I'm not the person who like talks a lot. I don't like to, um, you know, be the center of attention. It, it, I'm happiest if it's like me and one other person. Just yeah. having a conversation versus sort of those big group dynamics. Those kind of scare me, but I love hanging out with super extroverts because I like being <laughs> around people. So I like tagging along with them and then they are like, woohoo, you know, mm-hmm. uh, talking lots of people and then they'll introduce you to people. And then I'm like, okay, once I'm introduced, I feel a lot better. But to me, the, the, the extroverted skill of feeling really comfortable just introducing yourself to strangers, I don't have that. So I yeah. always try to think about ways to develop it as well as, you know, being comfortable with the, the great things are about having some introverted qualities as well. Yeah, I test E as well, but I think I do get my energy from being alone. Like, I think I have a, a large introvert battery so I can I can go to a conference and have fun and talk to my you know people. But then after like an hour or so, I'm like, I need to go read a book <laughs> or something. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, and, yeah. I, and I think anyone can build relationships in college, whatever, wherever you stand on sort of the introvert, extrovert, you know, networking and building relationships doesn't have to be, you know, uh, being a real talkative person or, or being sort of life of the party or introducing yourself on campus. You can be really quiet and build relationships too. You know, it doesn't have to be this loud, crazy thing. Like it can be a quiet conversation between two people reaching out to someone, you know, joining a club that really fits you. Um, mm. and then you connect with people, you know, on your level. I, I think, um, I think that's really important uh, to to think about as well, that you don't have to be really like a social person to benefit from networking or be good at it. You know, yeah. you can, it's really just about finding people who um, who you like and just connecting with them and sharing resources and sharing ideas. Uh, it's basically friendship. Yeah, exactly. It, um, there was something I tweeted the other day, like it was just go ask people to coffee. <laughs> that was it. It. And like yeah. 10 people retweeted it. Cause it's so important. Like, I think I was a little bit subtweeting because my girlfriend had gone and asked somebody who runs a design studio out to coffee. And then she came back and she was like, they asked me to help out. And I was like, awesome. You know, that would never happen. And she's an introvert just like me. So, you know, you don't have to be an extrovert and it, it doesn't, I, in my experience, it doesn't get like a ton easier. I still have to put forth effort. 
mm-hmm. like to do this is was effort for me at first because like I don't know everyone that I'm interviewing right when I started out, but it does pay off and it is doable. Yes, and I think it's remembering, like you said, that it pays off. You know, she, your girlfriend left that coffee with an actual opportunity. Like, mm-hmm. that's how things happen. And every conversation may not lead to an opportunity right away. But yeah. the more conversations you have, the more you open yourself up to the idea of, of those opportunities really happen. Uh, Cal Newport in his blog, you know, he, he talks about, you know, the ideas of like having a big break. I remember a blog he wrote a while ago about Rosie O'Donnell and her sort of big break in this club. And it, it seems like, oh, all the stars aligned and, you know, it was, there's all this luck involved. Um, but he has these theories that, you know, when you're really working it, uh, really, really trying, really doing a lot of things, like you're going to have a big break. You're going to create your big break because you're putting yourself out there so much. Like you're just increasing your chances, sort of like if you're entering a contest and you can have multiple entries. You know, the yeah. more you enter, especially if you end up entering more than other people, you just increase this likelihood and, and luck becomes less of a factor. And I've mm-hmm. always loved that about of sort of the way he thinks. And, and I, I think about building relationships uh, the same way that if you really dedicate yourself to, I mean, any kind of principle when it comes to success, but if you really do it, uh, it, it will pay off in some point because that's how things happen. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that coffee that you just said with your girlfriend, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You can come away from a conversation and, um, you know, it's natural. We just, we like, when we like people who we're meeting with, especially in person, we want to help them. It's this really cool thing I found in most people. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing. I just love it. And I think it can really help students in college. You don't have to feel like you have to have anything to offer. I think that's one thing people say, well, I'm young. How can I network? How, you know, I don't have anything to offer these people, right. especially professional mentors when you're going on that level. And I, and I always remind them that you actually have more to give now than you will later in your career because what you give someone whom you ask for advice from and you ask as a mentor, you give them a, a sense of, um, that their their wisdom matters, that they're right. able to pass on their wisdom, that someone like sees them and thinks what they've done is valuable. And that it creates such a bond. You know, if, if you've ever mentored someone, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like mm. their success becomes your success. And it's just you just feel like this coach relationship with them and they make you feel so good. You're like, you want, you want to know what I think? Like you want to ask me advice? Really? Um, you want to hear me talk? Like there's nothing that makes people feel more important, uh, than you genuinely thinking that they're awesome. So I think that's something I really encourage anyone in college to start doing is start me ask, inviting people out for coffee, especially people you admire, ask their advice. You are actually giving them more than you realize. So it is an equal exchange. Don't feel like you're just taking from them. Um, Because if you actually listen to them and take their advice and tell them thank you, you're giving them the greatest gift. Especially if you go and act on it. Like that just to see that, oh, they did what I told them to do. That's so awesome. Now I'm going to talk to them some more. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's the best. I have this idea of like the the fan first mentality is what I call it. And this is, I I kind of came up with this for making connections online. Like if I want to make a connection with somebody who's big online, like i I'm going to be their fan first. I'm going to comment and share their stuff. And later on, I'll be like, hey, you know, I'd love to talk to you, but I want to make sure like I am providing some value first and foremost. And it's the same concept with making interpersonal connections with mentors. Like, don't be like, how can I, you know, how can you help me? How can I do this, 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 and this is 
how did you do it? You know, you, this thing you did is amazing. How did you get to that point? That those kind of questions. I love that. I love the idea of fan first because that's exactly what I talk about in the third section of my book. Is start off your email by telling them why you admire them. You know, mm-hmm. and if you don't know what to say, then you're not reaching out to the right person. You can't right. fake this. You know, people will smell that a mile away, and that's icky. You know, mm-hmm. no one wants to do that kind of networking. Like, you know, <laughs> actually reach out to people you admire, and I love that. That that fan. Uh, I never thought of it in that way. Fan first, but it works. I mean, yeah. it really does work, and it's crazy crazy the level of people you can connect with because the things like you're talking about that we're talking about right now um while they are you know really well known ways to be successful they're they're not very widely practiced especially Mm -hmm. among you know i think younger people and so in some ways i guess i want to expand that so more people can can be doing this at at, in college but at the same time hey if you're listening to this now you have an advantage you're not competing with a ton (laughs) of people and so when you do reach out to these people and tell them you admire them they're for the most part you know aside from a few types of you know people or professions they don't have an inbox filled with people like you they're Mm -hmm. like oh wow who's this and they they admire me and and they want 15 minutes of my time for a coffee or a phone call heck yeah why not this is this is cool and they'll be impressed with you and 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 then you never know where that can lead yeah i have to say like um, of all the people that email me the ones who have reached out to me first i am friends with the ones that started from the point of you're awesome you know this stuff you've done is amazing how'd you get there or that can or just can i talk to you because i really admire you the ones who like have like a one sentence. Oh, love your blog. Now help me. Like I delete yes. those, you know, because yes. it's not because I don't want to help people, but because we all have limited time. You know, we all have so many influence or, uh, you know, outside things coming at us. And there are only so many that you can deal with. And the ones where it makes you happy to hear it, you want to deal with those ones, you know? Yes. And I'm, as I mentioned, I'm a communications junkie. And so, I mean, it, it, it changes the message when you just email someone and say, Hey, um, you're cool, um, but here's all the things about me and how I need you to help me. Mm-hmm. The initial reaction is kind of like, wait a second, I worked really hard to do everything I've done and learn everything I've done. I'm just supposed to tell, give it to you? You know, that's <laughs> sort of like the initial messaging exchange that happens when that happens. Yeah. Versus when someone starts off, hey, like, I think you are really awesome and I've, I, I've read your work or I, you know, I, I'm really impressed with this that you've done. You're like, oh, wow. Like, they, <laughs> they like me. They're reading what I've done. I matter. You know, everyone, no matter how successful you are, I think for the most part, you're constantly questioning, it, it, do I matter? Am I really, you know, making an impact? And so when someone makes you feel that, that they're putting you in this mentality of oh my gosh wow and then when they ask you for help you're like oh of course like (laughs) of course I'm going to help you because you just made me feel so good you know that yeah I would love to help you because I can tell you um, you know you are I've done the work you've done the research and you have this sort of humility that makes me want to help you like people don't want to help arrogant people (laughs) like they want to help humble people and so I think for me when I realized that that was actually really encouraging because because I was so, I I was really intimidated by the idea of what I thought networking had to be—that you had to be really confident and really arrogant and feel like you had it all together. And I was really relieved when I realized, no, you don't really have to. It actually works better if you're really honest and vulnerable, and you're like, "Hey, I know nothing. Um, can you help me? Like, I don't know what I'm doing." Uh, people are actually much more—they'd well, rather help people who don't know what they're doing and who genuinely want help mm-hmm. versus people who like think they have it all together and just want you to uh, give them sort of some easy answers. Yeah. It makes when I guess when somebody's like ultra confident, they're just like in that professional networking mindset. I only want to operate at surface level. 
because I don't think that you know I there's like I can't break through to that that uh, lower level. They're not vulnerable enough. They're just like ah, this is my goals and that's what I want. You know exactly. Well, so <laughs> I think we could talk for like five hours. We because I, I had the the idea of like going through your book tagline, and we're still on friends. So. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I definitely, I mean, if you want to, I would love to have you back on the show at some point and we can yeah, continue the discussion because we, you know, there was a ton more we could talk about with community college and specifics, uh, you know, the scholarships, internships, the careers and everything. I think there are uh, different nuances of the opportunities for community colleges versus other types of colleges. So I'd love to have you back on, but for now it has been an hour. So I want to let you get to work. But um, before that, if people want to connect with you or find your work online, where can they go? Yeah, so the best place for content, uh, success content, is communitycollegesuccess.com. Okay. And they can follow me on Twitter, at Issa Adney. And then my general website um, that also has links to my YouTube, a lot of videos and such, is isaadney.com. Great. And are you doing a lot of YouTube these, these days? Um, these days, I mean, it's kind of sporadic, um, okay. <laughs> but, uh, there are, there is a ton of YouTube content that I've built over the past three years, some of which I, I can't even watch myself because they're <laughs> like, you know, you feel like you change so much. And so in mm-hmm. three years, sometimes it's so weird. I'm like, Oh, I know so much more now. Or, um, it's just like, it's just really funny. Um, but I leave them up there because people still like the, co- you know, people still yeah. comment and watch those videos. I'm like, okay, you know, as long as it's helping people, I'll leave it even if I'm <laughs> slightly embarrassed by it. But, um, yeah, it's all there. So youtube.com uh, slash Issa Adney, uh, as well as some kind of goofier YouTube-esque uh, style like, videos, like 10 college goals you should have while doing 80s dance workout moves. You know, you got to roll with whatever <laughs> the, the context is. So YouTube's a little yep. goofy. So sometimes I am a little goofy uh, in hopes that it helps just draw more people to the actual content. Well, so. I like that content because, I mean, I've been, I'm doing a video every week, but I've been looking like, what what are the college success people on YouTube doing? And it's weird. Either it's, uh, makeup and beauty channels that do the odd study video, which is, it's really yes. weird that there's this, this like really big combination of beauty channels that do study tips, but all the other ones are like professors talking at a camera. Like this is how you write a paper. And I'm like, I need to make it more interesting than that. And I, I looked at your channel and I was like, she's wrapping herself in saran wrap while giving college tips. That's pretty great. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad you think so. I'm always <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, I feel so stupid. But you know, I, I figure, you know, you just kind of learn from what's going on in, yep. in any sort of social media context. And, and I love fun and I love making things fun and interesting. And so if that helps you learn about what you need to do in college, then okay, I'll yeah. do it. <laughs> I think if you're not a little scared to hit publish, like it might not be that interesting to watch in the first place. That's a really good, <laughs> a really good idea. I agree. I like that. That mm-hmm. makes me feel better too. Yeah. I'm often like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, with mine, I love video games, you know, and I watch a lot of video gaming channels. So I'm like, how can I sort of combine that with college success kind of stuff? And I'm like, well, are people going to like this? I don't know. They seem to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just it, you just put it out there, right? You never know. It's awesome. always surprising. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, and I'll definitely have you back on the show. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Isa. And you know what? It's funny. I kind of always say that I hope you enjoyed the uh, interview or that I hope you got something useful, but really I do. And I think there's a lot of good stuff in this interview. Um, we even linked to 
or mentioned a link to a website where you can sign up for a huge scholarship. And once again, that's jkcf.org. So if you want to apply for a gigantic scholarship, if you're planning on going to master's or get your master's, um, definitely hit up that website, apply for scholarships. Always a good idea. You never know what's going to happen. So yeah, I really just hope that you get a lot of these episodes. And if you do have feedback, if you have things you want to learn, things I have not covered yet, you can email me as always at thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. And if you want to get my favorite resources for being more productive, managing your money, um, cool tools and apps and books that I recommend, things that other students have told me they like, you can head on over to collegeinfogeek.com slash resources and uh, find all the tools and things I recommend there. Once again, if you want to subscribe to this show, that's awesome. It helps bump the show up the rankings in iTunes and also delivers the new episodes to the device of your choice at Monday at 6 a.m. CST, because I always have to deal with time zones in this line of work. But yes, CST, Central Time, in the middle of the cornfields of Iowa where I live. So that is it for this week. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode, and stay cute. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.